0: Folks, this is Mark Steiner. Good to have you with us here on uh, our latest podcast as we lead up to the Annapolis Summit on January the 10th, and we're looking forward to having you all there with us as we talk to the governor, uh, the Speaker of the House, and the President of the Senate. One of those issues coming up in front of the General Assembly this year will be about sports betting, which is a highly controversial subject here and around the country. You know, it's involving a lawsuit uh, that Governor Hogan uh, has filed amicus brief with. We'll talk a bit about that and more. Uh, One of those men who's been involved in that uh, is Maryland State Delegate Jason Buckle, who represents Allegheny County uh, and um, is a Republican and uh, has sponsored a bill uh, to create a task force to study legalizing sports betting. And Delegate Buckle, welcome. Good to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So talk a bit about from your perspective where you see this. Um, I've been covering issues around gaming and gambling in Maryland for the last 25 years on the air. Um, from all right. perspectives. So I mean, and he, it, is, it seems to never a year goes past without some new wrinkle. So now the wrinkles <laughs> <laughs> So now the new wrinkle is is sports betting. So talk about your bill.
1: Well, the bill that uh, I sponsored last year. I serve on the House Ways and Means Committee and on the the uh, subcommittee that deals particularly within that structure with gaming, gaming and gambling issues from casinos to horse track gambling to regulating, you know, bingos and charitable gaming uh, all throughout the state. So I had a particular interest in it. Uh, there's a casino that's a major employer and an economic driver, the Rocky Gap Casino and Resort that's located in my county within my district. So, you know, I felt incumbent to learn about this and, and it really take an interest in it as an economic driver and how it can help Maryland and how it can generate revenue privately and publicly uh, for a variety of purposes across the state. Last year, you know, we we took the position of the the PASPA Act, which is just the acronym Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. It was a federal law passed many years ago that sort of froze in place uh, what states would be allowed to have sports gambling, and it froze them in place based upon the existing state of law. I believe way back into the 1970s. What it really meant was, as a practical fact, is that the state of Nevada. Uh, was the only place that really could have a uh, fully developed sports gambling industry. And any of us that have been to Las Vegas or Reno or wherever out there understand that sports gambling is a, a real part and a significant part of their economy, and it's a part of what their casino uh, industry offers to gamblers, to tourists, to folks from all over the world. That's kind of given them that that unfair advantage of You you and I could get off a plane at McCarran International Airport in Las Vegas and within 5, 10, 15 minutes have placed a $10 bet on who's going to win the Monday night football game or what baseball team is going to win the World Series this year. And that doesn't seem to offend or bother anyone or create any big problems. But we couldn't do the same things legally uh, in our own states or within our own communities. Even though we now have casinos, we now have a pretty robust regulatory structure to monitor these things. Technology has taken off uh, where a lot of folks do this from their cell phones. They have computer accounts set up with offshore gambling entities that are not directly regulated by the United States. Uh, we all know that you know there's a lot of sports gambling that goes on illegally, whether offshore or whether through the old you know, 1950s, 1960s mob movie styles of having a bookie. Uh, there's estimated billions and billions and billions of dollars of this activity that's going on that's not captured by the state of Nevada, uh, really the only legal place to do it at that level. So last year there was a a move, the lawsuit you described, uh, from New Jersey, attacked that. New Jersey had passed a law uh, and basically said, we don't think that's right. We think New Jersey is in control of New Jersey, and we've made a decision that we're going to legalize sports gaming or we're not going to make it illegal under state law. Uh, and that would, in theory, let people open up uh, in New Jersey. I think it's both at some of their existing casinos and also at their racetracks. And they challenged this federal law. Uh, this has been going on for several years. So, you know, was, I, I'm a lawyer by trade, and I certainly understand that sometimes litigation takes a very long time. It's been going on for several years. Last year, there was a uh, a crack in the case, so to speak, that the Supreme Court uh, has agreed to review the matter. It's now been heard at oral argument, and they'll be releasing a decision sometime before the end of their term, which I believe is, is right around the beginning of June. Right. And so the, the prevailing sentiment seems to be among the industry, among regulators, among uh, state legislators. I, I went to a, to a legislative conference a couple of months ago, a little over a month ago, in New York that had state legislators from – New York, New Jersey, Ohio, West Virginia. I believe there's some folks there from Pennsylvania. And the prevailing sentiment is we're doing this. The Supreme Court is going to modify or strike down this law and say, as a matter of federal law, we can't control whether states have game. States now have casinos. Uh, We all know that Maryland has quite a few casinos for the size state that we are. They seem to generally be doing pretty well and providing quite a bit of revenue. So, So that's kind of what gave. Impetus to looking at a legislative way to address this and to get us ready for the possible reality of uh, the state being able to decide whether they want to do this or not.
0: So, a couple of quick things here. I mean, one is we don't know what to, how the Supreme Court will decide. Um, um, betting men can right. bet on that, but I mean, right? Uh, but we don't know what. Probably decide. in
1: Las Vegas, you probably can.
0: <laughs> so, so that, that notwithstanding, so but you, you're. Your bill is not – is your bill – let me be very clear here. Your bill is to set up a commission to study or is your bill to actually set up the gaming – to let gaming begin?
1: Last year's bill would have set up a task force essentially with some suggestions, some parameters of, you know, here's how we could, here's how we might do it. Uh, There's a lot of questions that would have to be answered. This year, I'm not sure because, you know, I I think we made a mistake – I think it was a well intentioned mistake. There's no malice to it. But I think, sort of, the powers that be made a mistake last year in not moving forward, either was my bill or some amended version thereof to, to let us start preparing. Uh, this year, it's a timing factor. Uh, how far, my, my biggest concern and biggest worry is that we fall behind our neighboring states uh pennsylvania already has a proposal in place i believe it's already been passed legislatively that if and when the supreme court strikes this federal ban down they already have their system they're going to be moving forward uh, i've been advised by west virginia legislators who apparently are in the know i i live very close to west virginia right. so our part of the state is you really can, you know, it's a couple miles into West Virginia and a couple miles into Pennsylvania. We have casinos from those states that are that are fairly near to ours. And they their intention and their plan is we'll have something in place in 2018. We'll be up and running. Uh, Delaware, which affects a lot of our Eastern Shore uh, casinos and even the Cecil County Casino. Uh, they're allegedly in the same place. New York, New Jersey. Basically, almost all of our casino or gaming industry competitors. Some of them are doing it in different ways. There's always a little bit of different twist to it, and I think that's fine. States should be just determining what's best for them. But almost all of our gaming industry competitors along the East Coast are already ahead of us. Uh, They've already looked into this. They've already Mm -hmm. put effort into it. They've already come up with the parameters of how they would jump in if they're allowed to jump in. So I'm not really sure yet. Uh, It's still several weeks away, and obviously the first few weeks of the legislative session, there's a lot of conversations that go on about how to format bills and make proposals before they're made final. Uh, So I'm not sure yet if Mm -hmm. what I would intend to do or what I would intend to participate in, if others want to join in, which is wonderful, uh, would be more of the task force approach or would be more of – Let's put the nuts and bolts together and say if we're allowed to do this, this is how we would, would approach
0: it. So there are two issues here that have always seemed to dog this issue uh, from the moment of it. we started covering this many a quarter of a century ago. And that's when we were debating whether or not to even have casinos in the state of Maryland. Right. And um, the one issue is the issue of compulsive gamblers and mm-hmm. the ruin it causes for many people's lives because gambling has opened up. And I think it's hard to argue that's not a reality. The question is, what do you do about that? Um, and how much money goes to uh, dealing with people who have an addiction with gambling that this opens right. the door for? So, I mean, that— We, that, we have a—go ahead. This, so the question is, so if you, there was a bill—if you were to design a bill, I mean, how would you, how would you fit that into your bill?
1: Well, I think Maryland already has—I mean, I know Maryland already has a problem gaming fund. Uh, that is funded through a variety of ways but but principally through uh, a, a percentage or, or a sliver of funds and contributions from licensees uh, and from gaming revenues to the best of my recollection last year there was a bill to increase funding uh, to that problem gaming fund that didn't pass that that I you know could have supported but that didn't pass and, and what we found out was the monies that are in the problem gaming fund now aren't really being, used fully. So you're absolutely right in the reality that there are some folks who become problem gamblers, compulsive gamblers, and it is incumbent upon us, it's important for us to recognize that and provide treatment options. We already have things like voluntary exclusions, mandatory exclusions uh, that the casino licensees enforce themselves. And that's what's important to know is that under my theory, at least, and I'm certainly not the person who gets to arbitrate how this ultimately will get done. I'm just a voice among among several. But under my theory, the the only way that we would experience sports gaming is to existing licensees. So some states have said, we're going to create an entirely different network here, and we're basically going to allow you to play sports bets at your local bar or restaurant, or we're going to let you walk around with your mobile phone on an app and go through some third-party service. To me, even though I'm a you know, I'm a fan of sports gambling and the potential that it has to to help industry and create revenue, and I think it's a fairness issue, but even to me, I mean, that's too far. Uh, for Maryland, for me at least. I don't think you should be able to go in and just gamble, gamble, gamble whenever you feel like it, wherever you want. So those folks who are already, for example, on a compulsive gambling list or a, a banned gambler list, whether they chose to do that themselves or whether they've been mandatorily excluded for, for some type of, of incident or offense. They're already going to be banned from participating. Uh, new folks who would be added to those lists, they would be banned because it, it's not as if, well, I'm banned from going in and playing a slot machine at Maryland Live, but I could walk in and bet on tonight's football game. Nope. Once you've already been banned, once you've already been identified as having that issue, we're going to do everything we can to prevent you from you know, being tempted and being involved. right. right. In, I, further.
0: I, I guess the question is, I mean, is, is the money that goes into treatment and, and where that goes, because you really can't. It's really hard to police that kind of thing. Well, um, but Mark, you know,
1: I guess my, my thought would be this. We already know. I don't think there are very many people that have never wagered on a game in their life and all of a sudden, because you can do it at a Maryland-based casino or track, are going to start doing it. Uh, I think that it's so ubiquitous. I think that it's frankly so easy. Now, anybody that knows me knows I'm a, not a heavily technology-oriented guy. I have a hard time even using my smartphone. So I wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> But clearly it's out in the population of a lot of people more tech-savvy than me that can go on in 15 minutes with a credit card and a computer account and can ha- and can be gambling on games from Bermuda, Bahamas, wherever it is, these offshore accounts. Uh, clearly there are people out there who have the local bookie. So I'm not so sure that adding the ability to do this in Maryland in a regulated environment at these particular licensed locations – is really going to create a huge new influx of problem gamblers. I think it's a little bit different than the analysis maybe 10, 15 years ago of should we have casinos at all? Because,
0: well, I, mean, I guess know, the, it, the issue that most studies will show that – and, and, and this, is, this should not be a deal breaker on whether or not you have gambling, but I mean the reality is that 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 most studies shows that the proximity of gambling is what entices people to go in. Um, and kind of creates this in, in, in people who have that addiction, even if they don't know they have it. Then start getting embedded inside of it because it's right there. It's easy to do. But see, I, I think right? they
1: already have. I think sports gambling is different than playing roulette, or it's really even different different than slots gambling. Those are things that require you to have a machine, so to speak. I mean, you, you can go online and I assume play some variation of it. But that that experience, that that per, perhaps addictive experience, you got to have that physical facility. You know, I want to walk in. I want to hit that button. I want to see the lights go, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sports gambling, to me, the proximity is already there. You can do it in today's world with technology. You can do it in today's world with the illegal black market that exists from your from your basement. Uh, if you're an addictive personality and you want to gamble on games and, and want to have that be something that's negative towards you, I think I think those people, for the most part, are already doing that. Uh, and and simply creating these atmospheres is not going to change it all that much. It's certainly something that you're sensitive to. but Maryland, really, when you when you sit and you get the information from uh, lottery and gaming control and from the individual licensees and casinos, it just hasn't been the type of problem that I think people forecast five, eight, ten years ago. It doesn't mean it's not a problem at all.
0: So, uh, but
1: I don't believe as a legislator that we can solve. Everything. I don't think we can legislate away people's personal responsibility. I don't think we can create a system that, that's that's absolutely perfect. Uh, I don't think that it will create a substantial problem, uh, more so than what's already identified and out there in society. To say, hey, if you want to wager twenty dollars or fifty dollars or a hundred dollars on a game from time to time, uh, you now can do that in a regulated, licensed, legal environment, rather than in an illegal environment, rather than in a risky environment, uh, which a lot of online gaming and certainly gaming with illegal bookies it may or may not be organized crime connected, a lot of that is going on and it subjects people to a lot of problems uh, beyond risks of addiction.
0: Delegate Buckle, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoy your great. forthrightness and your clarity on the issues and look forward to seeing you in the General Assembly and seeing how this bill winds down or winds up, I should yeah, say.
1: It'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the the twists and turns that we go through. Uh, and we, I
0: appreciate your time, Mark, Very I appreciate you, I appreciate your time. We've been talking with Delegate Jason Buckle, Republican of Allegheny County, and we'll see you all in Annapolis come January the 10th. Delegate Buckle, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. And now we're about to have a conversation uh, with Delegate Frank Turner, who's a Democrat representing Howard County, uh, who is co-chair of the Joint Committee on Gaming Oversight, as we explore the expansion of gaming and sports betting in the state of Maryland and uh, where it might take us. And Delegate Turner, good to have you with us. Welcome.
2: Well, thank you, Mark. I'm glad to be here.
0: So let's just begin. I mean, you were um, quoted as not being necessarily opposed to the idea of of betting on sports in the state of Maryland. But unlike uh, Delegate Buckle, who wants to do it right now, you seem to want to kind of say, what's the rush? Am I reading that wrong?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you're not reading it wrong. I, I, um, I mean, if it's something that comes up that people are really, really, want to do, I'm not to oppose it. But at the same time, you know, anytime we do an expansion of things, it has to go before, uh, you know, before the people uh, through a constitutional amendment. And we could do that in eighteen, or we can do it in twenty. I just uh, uh, see the tremendous rush when I look at the the amount of revenue that's going to be brought uh, in from game, from uh, sports betting, it's just not a tremendous over, uh, windfall like many people may think.
0: And why do you think that is? I mean, it seems it's so huge and so many hundreds of millions and billions are made illegally on this thing around the country. Why do you think it would not be a windfall for the state of Maryland?
2: Well, I looked at the numbers for Las Vegas. And, you know, Las Vegas is one of the four states that have... Uh, that can do sports betting. Uh, right. Two of the states don't even, even though they've been approved, they're not even doing it at all. And the other state is Delaware, of course, which is doing it on a very limited basis. But out of all the revenue raised in Las Vegas through gaming, through table games, and through uh, slot machines, it's only 1.7 percent of their revenue, uh, which is not, you know, a tremendous amount of revenue. So I'm looking at this and saying yes, even if we do it here and all the other states and the Supreme Court um, agrees to that we can do sports betting at the state level. When all the states start getting into it, I don't think there's going to be as much revenue uh,
0: as we can imagine. So again, when we, you know, I, I can remember back in the very beginning when we had these major debates around. Um, casino gambling in the state of Maryland, and they raged for a long time before it actually came to fruition. Um, one of the arguments was that, you know, well, there are two things. Let me just take one at a time. One has to do with problem gamblers and, and what that raises up for them and and, uh, the, and how that kind of spills out into the community, family, and business. And, and the other um, has to do with where the money goes that we do raise. But let's start with the first. What about uh, the, the question of problem gamblers uh, and compulsive gamblers and what this does, does? Does that have to be taken into account in terms of where the money is allocated and what happens with an increase in betting and making sports betting easy to get easier to get to than it would if you just did it with your local bookie? Right. Well,
2: when we passed gaming in, uh, in 07, we put in uh, $6.5 million, which would be used uh, for the purpose of uh, problem gambling. That was higher at the time than any other state in the United States for the problem problem, uh, problem gambling. So I think we've been very much in, in, in the forefront of making sure that um, this does not become an epidemic. We do have a hotline in Maryland. We do have uh constant uh, you know evaluations and and, and and we have put up you know clinics and all of that to deal with this issue. So I think uh, we're on top of it when it comes to problem gambling in Maryland. Uh, so I've been I've been rather pleased and I've been kind of monitoring that uh, over the last several years. Uh, the second issue about where is the money going, there's always a question. <laughs> we could certainly use some of the money if we end up uh, um, enhancing our education through the through um, the current commission, uh, which is going to be a big a big bill in the future. And I hope we don't do it like we did the Thornton bill, where we passed it, uh, passed the bill without a funding source. So um, I think that some of the Proceeds from gaming can go into the uh, current commission, but it's not my call. It, 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 it's going to have to be
0: determined by the by the legislature. I mean, one of the things that sold the casino idea to many people was the fact this money was going to education, which didn't really, which never was really codified. So does something have to be codified around this for this extra money? And also, given the fact that we had this huge structural deficit we're facing in the early twenties.
2: Now, when we talk about money going to education, a lot of people think it's only going to K through 12 education. That's always been a real problem to try to let people know, because some people say, "Well, I don't see it in my classroom," but but it's not going just to K through 12. It's going to community colleges, it's going to four year institutions, it's going to it's going to um, construction, uh, capital projects. So that money is going to a lot of different uh, venues when it comes to education. And I think that story needs to be told more. Uh, and the fact that latter is that in Maryland, we spend 6 dollars $6.4 billion every year on education. So it's it's not a small ticket item that we have on the budget. It's that and, of course, health insur- uh, insurance, uh, health insurance, health uh, insurance, uh, Eats up a
0: lot of our our budget in the state of Maryland. So, so, no pun intended, if you were a betting man, (laughs) where would this, where do you think this is going to take us this session? I mean, clearly, Delegate Buckle, as we spoke with him, wants to do this immediately. You clearly are somebody who thinks we should take our time and look at it. I mean, so where do you think this goes? It's not
2: only Delegate Buckle, there are other people who want it too uh my question to is, is a little bit based upon the fact that we have to also decide who's going to get it who's going to be the venue that's going to to to, to, to be responsible for the sports betting because you know the racetracks us, didn't get a didn't get any um, from you know, when they get revenue from purses and they get revenue collaterally, but You know they want to also be into the uh, sports betting uh, game, and so do the casinos. And they need to resolve that issue before we can move ahead uh, to figure out who exactly is going to be uh, uh, going to be the person or persons uh, who is going to really be responsible
0: for doing sports betting in their in their facilities. So where do you stand on that issue? Do you think that it should be ex- not just be casinos, but it should also be <clears throat> at our racetracks, which is where it is in some other places? Do you think that is where it should happen? Well, what What are your thoughts?
2: My thoughts are that, you know, that's for the industry to decide. Uh, I don't really have any, you know, I don't have any, any dog in that fight, you know, so, you know, they need to work that out among themselves. I've heard from both sides about, and wanting it to be, they want to participate, but I think that that's something that they need to work out before we tell them how, where, or where it's going to go. So I think it's it's really, they need to come together and figure that out. And so, I mean, they don't have forever if they're going to put a bill in this year to figure it out.
0: So, but you don't think that the bill will go through this year to immediately start?
2: Oh, well, I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's because somebody. I'm sure Buckle is not Buckle. Somebody will introduce it. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not. You know, I'm not going to be jumping out. And, you know, and saying, "Oh, we have to have to do it," right? Because just like the, just like the gaming, you know, for years we were not in the game, and now we're in the game, and we're doing better than everybody else. We're doing better than Ohio. We're being doing better than New Jersey. We're doing better than Delaware, West Virginia. So you know. Well, we're, we didn't get in the game first but you know if you look at the numbers now there's no there's
0: none of those states are touching us well this has been illuminating i appreciate it i look forward to talking to you more about this and many other issues that will, will be affecting us in the uh coming months and the debates taking place in the general assembly coming up after our annapolis summit uh we're here with delegate frank turner democrat from howard county who is co-chair of the joint committee on gaming oversight uh, and we'll see just where all this takes us. And, uh, Frank, thanks, thanks so much for being with us. Great to talk to you.
2: Oh, great talking to you, too, Mark. Have a great day.
0: You, too. Right. So for more of that, join us at the Annapolis Summit. Just go to thedailyrecord.com slash annapolis summit and hit purchase tickets and join us there. January the 10th from 730 to 10 a.m. at the Governor Calvert House. Your chance to talk directly to Governor Larry Hogan, Senate President Mike Miller, and House Speaker Michael Bush, be part of your future. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This program was produced and edited by Calvin Perry with assistance from our intern, Nora Belbidia. You can download the podcast and more at steinershow.org and on iTunes or on your favorite podcasting app. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for The Mark Steiner Show. And please let us know what you think. Write me at mark at steinershow.org. We'll be back in a couple more days with a brand new podcast.